I asked our guest Peter Howard to pound the table for someone. Peter, who you pounded the table for? Uh, no one. Uh, I think we had this conversation. Not a lot of pounding of tables this year, but uh, Rondon Moore is the guy I chose uh, for this purpose. I think he's a little underspoken about based on his projections this year, which is I, I project basically just off what the consensus of five or six of the best rankings and projection services said. We're expecting him to be injured again, and while that's reasonable <laughs> considering what's gone on, I don't think we predict injuries nearly that well. Like his uh, stats don't add up based on what he's already done and his current rank. I think he can easily finish inside the top 24. He just has to stay healthy. And as long as Clayton Toon is somewhat serviceable, or I guess Colt McCoy, or uh, for the love of all things holy, can Kyler Murray get back off his gaming console? And we should be fine. Like, Rondon Moore has got a really exciting, honestly, not that I'm doing it, just a skill set. And if the team can learn not to try to treat him like the half of Debo that isn't a wide receiver, then we should be in good shape. I love it. I love it. Low cost, lots of talent, targets to go around. You heard it here first. Go get you some Rondale Moore. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me is my wonderful co-host, the delightful Jen Akins. How's it going, buddy? Uh, good, good. I don't know how delightful I am right now. It's very hot in my house. Uh, and it's very hot everywhere, but my house particularly very hot. But no, I'm good. Um, I'm excited to uh, get into this. Um, and I'm excited for the season. Like I'm, I'm ready. I'm done with ADP. I am done with projections. I am ready for matchups and actual stuff. How are you? I'm doing good. I, uh, I got the NFL like network, like pass this year, which allows you to do like uh, all the preseason games and it has like a condensed thing and it's just killer for my return specialist research because nice. I can zip through and see every return and it's awesome. So I've been having fun kind of diving through all of those things uh, and I'm really excited because this week we're joined by Peter Howard. You can follow Peter on Twitter at PA Howdy and you can check out all his stuff over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Peter also has an excellent YouTube channel with great content. He's got a live show on Wednesday nights called The Dynasty Grind, which I'm Kind of new to, but thoroughly enjoying, Peter. Uh, thank you so much for coming. You already have a fan in the chat in Genji. Hi, Genji. Uh, th- thanks again for joining us. How you doing you're tonight, the two. Peter? You're the two people that ch- know I have a YouTube channel and know uh, Dynasty Grind. I'm, I'm happy to be here with both you and Genji. No, I'm I'm happy I'm happy to be here again, talk to you and Jen. Um, I feel a little bit different than Jen. Like I like the off-season. Injuries don't happen in the off-season. You've only got your uh. dreams. And the only way you need to justify what you think is to argue about it. I mean, the season's going to prove a lot of us wrong about a lot of different things, and that sucks. I don't like that. I don't like that very much. I like being right and unprovable, unprovable that I was wrong. <laughs> it that's, does feel really fair. nice to, fl- to plant your flag and be able to just stand there and witness it for a while and not have to yeah. worry about it being completely yeah. gone in a, in a week. <laughs> that I mean, is fair. I just you want mean... in the office. <laughs> for me, I mean from a actual work perspective like i just writing like I've, i just you know i'm tired of writing the same thing over and over for that's, the last five months bad. i'm ready to move on from a, like a fan and, and fantasy football player perspective yeah i mean it's fun to just be right now until we're not but yeah no that's true there's a lot of questions i normally go into the season with a few things there's a few areas that i want more information on because the nfl is a small sample sport we haven't seen enough things happen enough times last year i was really interested in what happened with uh, russell wilson for example my pessimism paid off but I, I had no way to justify it because there's really not many similar uh situations 
And so I ended up with a lot of Cortland Sutton, and now I hate hate that. But um, <laughs> this year, I think it's interesting because uh, based on trends, we're entering into a low breakout year for some of the positions. Like quarterback is set, wide receiver is set. We should probably just be happy with what we have since it's basically the best landing landscape we've seen in ever um, at both positions, which means the breakouts are somewhat less uh, pound table poundy or tea-inducing or adrenaline-fueled. Um, but there are some interesting questions like this year with a high breakout running back year for the second time in a year in a row that everyone, all I see on my feed is talk about Davin Cook and Zeke Elliott and Avin Kamara. And I love chasing veterans usually, but if those are the players everyone's talking about, I really want to see the season get here so I can figure out if the breakout year for running back seems to signal that those veterans are less interesting than usual. Cause that'd be an interesting thing to be able to take advantage of where everyone's throwing their seconds at Elliott and, Kamara and Cook, is it worth fading them in this type of year where we expect, you know, a, a few more breakouts than we've seen over the last, I don't know, it feels like half a decade, but there you go. All my dynasty shares of Sorry, Dalvin I Cook didn't are mean hoping to just, that this uh, continues. So, absolutely. No, no, this is great. Peter, uh, discuss, we are going to talk about our favorite breakout players, even though it might be kind of a light breakout week. Uh, well, we each I, came up with five players we do like, so that's good. Uh, no, 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 Peter, this is great. I feel uh, like I, I, I clicked right. all over the topic, and that's not. Oh, I, that's why I think it's interesting, damn it. <laughs> that's no, why no, you're no. here. It's fantastic, and I agree with you. There aren't, uh, there, there aren't quite as many players. There's probably two of my five that I'm, over here on a hill, just, uh, you know, with my flag up and just proudly proclaiming out to the top of the world. So uh, I'm with you. Everything else is more of like a, this guy's a little undervalued. This might be a career year for this player who's already pretty solid, those types of things. So I agree with you completely. Uh, I do want to ask you about one player because uh, I, I got to ask you dynasty. We're not really talking dynasty today, but I got you on. I got to, I got to ask you a dynasty question, right? Um, I've noticed the one guy you seem a little higher on than most analysts is Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver out of Ohio, out of Iowa State. I, I just want to say, what makes you a little more bullish on him in Houston? Now, you, I know you're not claiming he's going to be a wide receiver one this year or anything yeah, like that. The hell but- I am. I'm on a podcast. I'm going to say he's going to be one. No. Um, sorry, I mean to jump all over your, uh, your question there. But yeah. It's actually a question I've been asking myself because I, all off season I've been writing this article, ranks versus ADP, looking at where my ranks and the other rankers at DLF differ from the consensus or anyone else. I brought in four for four one point. I brought in fantasy pros. Please tell me what the answers are. It's basically the series. And Xavier Hutchinson is one of those players who just keeps filtering towards the top. And I don't know. I don't feel like. Again, I'm not table poundy over him, but I'm like he's a. Sixth round pick, I think he is fourth, sixth round pick. So no draft capital, which I tend to like anyway. He was fairly productive in college. He's on the skinny side, but fairly tall. I think a Marcus Brand type build. And coming from a Big 12 conference, if I remember right, I looked him up after I I, I knew you were going to ask him about a little bit. And I don't memorize stats well, but I do know that if we like Rashi Rice, we should really like. Xavier Hutchinson a little bit. He's coming in a little bit of an unusual bucket. And then on average, you play with a lower slot rate, around 29% in the slot, um, and a lower A dot, around a 9 A dot for his entire career. And there's less NFL hits at wide receiver fantasy in that bucket. But there are a few. There's like Calvin Ridley, there's Debo Samuel, to name a few, um, to name two specifically. Um, but he was actually more productive relative to the size of his team's offense than Rashi Rice and actually had better yards per run on average for his team as well. Again, I don't have a lot of hope, but we're entering a season where the wide receiver position is set. So I'm interested in rookies that are coming in into weaker situations, weaker depth charts, 
And I checked him out. I don't have even have a high roster ship of him, despite my rank, because I think you have to be a very particular type of team build to really be interested in a wide receiver that deep, because most of your roster spots should be taken up with running backs. And so you have to be pretty set at running back to hunt those type of deep wide receivers. But yeah, Xavier Hutchinson, just I feel like it's a fairly epid rank like in the 70s at wide receiver positional rank but that is so drastically different than everyone else i guess because of the draft capital or the lack of hype in the preseason um but yeah that's why it's just he falls into this ground of i will roster him if in that situation and everyone else if they rank him or if they draft him it's at the very end of a draft like barely know who he is so it's more of a case of the market than my overall hype for him but again houston's a new situation i think people are a little too low on cj stroud we really don't know what that offense could become this season, especially towards the second half of the year. And and he has an interesting skill shot that was very productive on in relatively in college. And, and yeah, so I, I had him to my team. I forgot the room. I'm actually much higher on Josh Downs and I've actually got relatively higher roster ship of him as well, which is also hard to justify when you're not exactly on the Anthony Richardson train. But you see, you asked the dynasty question and now I'm just going to do an hour's worth of the dynasty grind. If you don't be rude, you just... <laughs> You answered the question, Pete. You can shut up now. <laughs> it's fine. You could you could always ramble. It's okay. We're no stranger to rambling on this show. We're always happy with it. And and again, this is the kind of stuff you get with the Dynasty Grind, which is a fantastic thing to go and check out. I'm enjoying the Dynasty Grind. Go and check it out Wednesday nights. So go in and, and I have co-hosts or at least one at the moment, Zachary, but sometimes Dynasty House, and they do know or they are willing to tell me to shut up because they know and they need to sometimes. So it's not just <laughs> me ranting, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> Fun stuff. All right, so uh, we're going to go to a, a segment that I like to call Better in Best Ball. I'm going to start with this because uh, I know we all hang out in the underdog uh, draft room sometimes. We're all out there drafting our best ball teams. Uh, I, I know my, I have I have way too many <laughs> best ball drafts uh, that are going on all at the same time at any given moment. But uh, I wanted to keep with the theme of breakouts and talk about some more players that you you highlight on in Dynasty, Peter. Uh, Noah Gray in Kansas City, Isaiah Likely in Baltimore. These are two young tight ends. Uh, you even say that you, you're looking at them as like taxi squad players, players that you want to add to your taxi oh, yeah. squad and dynasty. I was wondering because you have, uh, because they rank high in some of the tools that you use, uh, for long term success, are you sprinkling any of these two, uh, backup tight ends behind elite behemoths at the position into your best ball drafts? I just pretend to have done a lot of baseball. I haven't managed to do a lot of baseball dresses off season. Um, I've been writing that series and uh, honestly just haven't been able to keep up with it. But um, yes, uh, is the answer would be what I'd say about them, especially Isaiah Likely. I thought he had a really interesting rookie profile in general and he got some decent work behind Mark Andrews, which is not exactly the openest of open depth charts. To me, that's some level of earning it, and especially with Rashad Bateman being someone I like, but there's a big injury issue there. I think that team could really open up the playbook in terms of who can get volume where. Um, and he's definitely shown a capability to earn it, even when Mark Andrews is around and on the field, and he was relatively productive in college. And tight ends are always a little weird, man. I'm always kind of interested when something weird comes up. And Noah Gray, like, who's interested in a back, like, ambiguous tight end backfields is not really a thing. <laughs> I don't remember J.J. Zacharyson mentioning that one. Um, because it's not a, it's not a thing. You don't get the next tight end up isn't good. Um, but he had something close to 300 yards last year. Again, that's an offense that likes to spread it around. It's probably nothing. But entering his third season, so he's still in his breakout window, 
fairly young, ha had a reasonably interesting role in points per game last year. It just made him pop in my little work in pros progress breakout model I've got running. Um, and so, yeah, I'd definitely like to add him in something like a best ball, a deep dynasty league. Tight ends in general, something I do know that is solid, that isn't just kind of a work in progress system. They're where we get more points than expected more often. After running back, especially through small stretches, tight ends are where we get better value the further down ADP you go, where everyone's trying to stuff their favorite Xavier Hutchinson's on the way on the back of their bench. If you just be a little more interested in the Austin Hoopers, the uh, the um, Zach Ertz, or even, yeah, the Noah Gray's Isaiah Lakeleys, you might find this window of at least point scoring or in best ball, a startable week that really helps you get you through um, one of those bye weeks, one of those later weeks in the year. So, yeah, I think that'd be very interesting in that context. He said, pretending he spoke with brevity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. And Isaiah Likely, I think, is definitely the ideal candidate for the phrase better in best ball. He's a player I'm not touching in redraft, but is somebody that I absolutely want to stash in Dynasty and somebody that I absolutely want to draft in best ball formats uh, as my second or third tight end, depending on the build that I'm going after. Uh, hi, AB. Added says that Zach Ertz and Juwan Johnson are two players that I'm presuming they like in best ball. So uh, thanks for sharing those names. Uh, Jen, I was wondering, I know that you're drafting best hi. ball. I know you have tight end opinions. I, I, I'm i wondering, do you have a, one or two tight ends that you're drafting only in best ball? I do. It's funny. I somehow missed this question uh, when looking at the show sheet completely. Um, two that I would have mentioned, I actually have later to chat about in our in ah. our in our actual topic of, of breakouts, but I'm going to throw two off the top of my head off the cuff. Cause like I said, I'm not prepared, um, but I'm going to go uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, I believe he is uh, in the thirties as far as ADP right now, tight end wise in that Indianapolis offense, he's emerging. He, you know, he supposedly is, is going to take over that Dallas Goddard role in the, uh, in the in the Shane Steichen offense. So sure. Jelani Woods, uh, Someone I would not draft and redraft. However, best ball, absolutely throw a dart at the end. Um, another guy, uh, I'd go rookie uh, Luke Musgrave. You know, a lot of people are talking about him uh, in Green Bay, but uh, not someone that I would count on for redraft. We know how, you know, rookie historically do not perform well in their rookie year. However, for best ball, you know, he may have a couple random weeks where he has two touchdowns. So definitely a, uh, yeah. Had a nice, uh, had a couple nice plays against the Patriots the other night. It was nice to see, uh, nice that, like I said, I'm diving into preseason action. I, I, I we're going to get to guys that I'm overreacting about preseason wise. We're going to get there. <laughs> there's always, a, I'm usually pretty level headed, but there's always somebody that I walk out of the preseason just. Listen, you wouldn't be a fantasy into. football. You haven't person. seen football in how long? Yeah. And then you see a guy right? do a thing and you're like, ah. Yeah, yeah. It's natural. <laughs> Just remember that it doesn't mean anything and you'll be all right. <laughs> Hi, Tyler. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Tyler likes Sam Laporta, who I think Jen likes in Redraft, too. He's coming up here in our uh, in our little chat as we go further on here. Excellent, excellent. So without further ado, Actually, or so with lots of ado, depends on your feelings about ado, um, let's go to our breakout players. We're going to alternate here. Peter, uh, would you like to start us off? Who is uh, the first of the five breakout players that we asked you to bring? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, bring the enthusiasm. It's, it's Brock Purdy. I didn't know which ranks to list. I saw you all listing ranks, and I wanted to copycat, but I didn't know what ranks. That's actually listing, ADP, but, so, just so you know. That was ADP. Okay, I, I, 
that makes more sense. I went and checked out Force <laughs> Force projections. I was like, that's what they'll be doing. They'll be looking at their own projections. And turns out they were different. But yeah, he's ranked uh, 21st overall in Force Force projections, as I counted it, which is fair. You know, um, he's a pretty easy breakout candidate to identify. I hate being this guy, but I to get better at breakouts, I had to define what it is so I could go looking for when it happens and when it happens more often. It so means something different to, me, to everybody. Exactly. And so I wanted to kind of hammer down on it. And a breakout to me is a player who finishes inside a certain position rank for the first time. It's very, I, that's as simple as it is. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the player you're looking for because, you know, Gabe Davis was pretty fun for three games, but he's not going to finish inside a certain position rank. Um, and you've also got rookies that don't finish inside the top 24, but do phenomenally well, like Chris Olave last year and so on and so forth. But it's a fairly good definition, just go looking for trends in. So someone like Brock Purdy or Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett are fairly easy to identify because they're going to get the job for the first time in, and finishing inside the top 24. It's technically not really a breakout. That's just playing the quarterback position for a year and not being Baker Mayfield, who always seem to find that difficult. But... Where there is still, and especially in the preseason, like you mentioned, some sort of will, will they, won't they with Trey Lance. Brock Purdy, I think, is deflated a little bit for his expectations in that offense because of that uncertainty. Um, and I don't know. I, like, I really hope Trey Lance gets a chance, but it's hard to root against Brock Purdy as well. I mean, he got no expectations coming in from the draft and suddenly found his opportunity and really took advantage of it last year. So it's hard to root against him either. Because um, ultimately, I'm just a fan rooting for players, and that's why I go through it that way. But if he gets that job, I think quarterback 21 would be pessimistic. And right now, it's looking like he does. And so it's a fairly easy breakout to call and finish inside the top 24 if he gets the job. And I think that's underrated based on the uncertainty. Um, I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo can produce better than that for several years, not to badmouth Jimmy Garoppolo, but the standard... Andy Dalton line these days, I guess it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Then I think Brock Purdy um, can as well. And with all those weapons, it would be very hard not to see him, at least through stretches, um, be a lot more viable, be a lot more interesting for fantasy than that, uh, that, that projection currently encompasses. Incredible weapons to work with in San Francisco. It's really impressive. And it's hard you know, to come like, up with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'd like to point out, like, George Kittle was the top tight end in fantasy football while Brock Purdy was under center. So Brock Purdy can find hey. his weapons. I like Brock Purdy as a name. I'm uh, a little Jen, worried about Kittle. I spent all offseason hunting Kittle to death in my dynasty leagues. Like, I think I have so much Kittle, his mom should be concerned. Like, maybe file a restraining <laughs> order at this point. But then I was doing my uh, research for the last Crossroads episode, and he was unusually Kittle was highly touchdown dependent last year and tight ends don't score. They're the least promising positions when they're due touchdown negative regression, as some people call it. I mean, it's not a death now he's George Kittle and he's really good after the catch, but he needs to get back to doing that because <laughs> the touchdowns are going to be a little hard to sustain, but sorry, I didn't mean to walk. No, interesting. Jen. That's a great nugget. Jen, if you have any Brock Purdy thoughts, then I want to hear them. Otherwise feel free to lead on into your, uh, your first breakout. Uh, I was just saying I have no Brock Purdy thoughts other than, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's 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 good where he's being drafted ADP-wise. Um, I'll go into my first guy. My first man of breakoutness uh, is James Cook. I feel that – so right now his ADP is RB27. He's going like in the seventh round. He finished last year as RB61 in half PPR points per game and uh, RB45 overall. So – I think he's got, you know, listen, I'm not going in here saying James Cook's the end-all, be-all, but I think he has the possibility of being a fantasy RB2, right? Which, 
by Peter's definition, that would make him a breakout, right? For the first time, um, yeah. You know, listen, people see him as just a pass catching back, which I understand, but he actually averaged 5.8 yards per attempt uh, last season, which was fifth among all running backs with at least 30 carries. So, you know, he's not just the little gadget pass guy. I understand that, you know, they brought in Damian Harris, so he's not going to be the bell cow. And as everyone says, he's too small, blah, blah, blah. However, I do feel like that uh, he has RB2 possibility and he's being – you know, he's being drafted as an RB3 right now, so there is a little bit of value there as well. You know, Devin Singletary put up RB2 numbers there at the end of not last season, but the season before. And a lot of that was pass catching work that I think is all going to go to James Cook now. It's it's an interesting proposition. Peter, do you have James Cook thoughts? I do, but I don't want to not agree with Jen. It doesn't seem like a strong position not to agree with. That That seems like neg negative uh, EV not to think that Jen's <laughs> right. Um, and I would say you don't have to be so pessimistic. Like I've had some legitimate uh, conversations this offseason that people have a lot more hope for um, uh, James Cook this season. In fact, someone I actually like, uh, Jeff Bell. Um, I forget where he works now. It was uh, I think he's football pro. guys. Yeah, but it's really solid dude, very smart, plays a lot, of, and he really seems to like uh, James Cook, or at least according to his Twitter feed. He might be being sarcastic. I don't always get that. Uh, the only concern I've got about James Cook is he was overhyped coming in, so we've got a little, a little bit of that residual hype. He wasn't. He was a good receiver, but he wasn't excessively used in the receiving game as some of the ADP and Dynasty would have suggested. In fact, there are better receivers in this draft that are going much lower than the late first round last year. Um, for James Cook, I just I didn't see many obstacles to him getting volume last year. And without uh, volume at running back, can very much be a coaching decision. They just want him to work in. They wanted to run out the last of those contracts before they left the field. To be fair, I, I'm not in the room, but typically running backs, if they have little in front of them or the coaching staff want puts them on the field to do it, they do it. That's why they break out a little earlier and a little more often, and are so valuable in dynasty those difference makers. And I just I don't like that. Oh, he just needed the offseason to really get acclimatized to the running back because that's normally cope, if you know what I mean. Um, but Jen's right. I mean, there's not much else in that backfield. It's a highly productive team. Devon Singletary had stretches. It's not like I don't think James Cook can be good. And I usually train myself on the top 12 breakouts, especially at running back, wide receiver, because like you said, running back to utility, you could be hunting for that. And then James Cook's very interesting. But when I'm talking about breakouts, I usually want – you know, you're looking for that exciting thing somewhere. And I don't think that's in his range of outcomes. I don't think we're going to get like a James White season out of him. And, and to be clear, most of the things, like you said, I don't care about his size. I think that's underrated. I'm a big Deuce Vaughn fan, constantly rooting for Gio for life. And one day, Gio will get a full job to himself. I don't think it's about size. Um, and it's not about size with James Cook. I just, I don't know why he couldn't do it last year. But I mean, again, I'm not in the room. I'm not, I'm not a coach. I barely even watch the game. So there's probably reasons that I don't understand. Um, but yeah, those are my James Cook thoughts. <clears throat> uh, I, I want us all to get together on the first Sunday and watch Deuce Vaughn together and just root for Deuce Vaughn and just hope he gets carries. He's so much fun to watch. <laughs> I'm still out here rooting for Tutu Atwell just to have a yeah. solid game, just so, just so I can say, see? A 10-year-old child, 10-year-old size. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So uh, I've got Kenny Pickett. He's uh, my first breakout. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback, but I do think he's going to be a top 15 quarterback. I think he's going to be a good streamer. Uh, I know it's just preseason, but through two games, he looks really comfortable. He's 9 of 11, 113 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and then I look at his last season a little bit. You know, Rocky start through three picks in his first game, relieving Mitch Trubisky. But, you know, they were 6-2 and two in his final eight games. Um, eight of his nine interceptions came in those first five games that he played. Um, and he rushed for 237 yards and three touchdowns last year. So I don't think, I don't think he's a zero as a rusher. Obviously he's not going to be Josh Allen, but he is going to give you some rushing production. Uh, and he's got just phenomenal weapons. We're going to get to another one uh, of my breakouts here in a little bit, as far as those weapons are concerned, but he has good running backs, some upgrades on the offensive line, qualified experienced coaching staff, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Farmuth. I mean, this this could be a surprisingly good offense. And and all those guys are pretty cheap right now comparatively for ADP. So uh, Kenny Pickett's kind of my, my quarterback that I'm drafting late in two quarterback leagues or things like that. Do a lot of touchdown regression. I mean, Deontay Johnson basically didn't even get – he didn't score a touchdown last year, I don't think. And interesting, quarterbacks almost always regress – well, all players regress – um, in the touchdown efficiency, but they almost always score more positively in points per game. Like it's almost a 0% miss rate in terms of getting more points per game the following year. So that is good for uh, Kenny Pickett. I, I, I like it. I'm excited. Like I said, I'm kind of excited about the Pittsburgh offense. I'm kind of buying it. So which I will we'll revisit here in a little bit. <laughs> There's upside there somewhere. We just got to find it. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> All right, Peter, who's number two on your list? Oh, um, yeah, uh, no one will like this. And again, I wasn't a big believer last year. I kind of got clapped by him a little bit because a lot of people traded a first-round pick expecting what, to ha what happened to happen, and then they didn't like him anymore for some reason. So in Dynasty, he's taken a bit of a weird journey. Uh, but Damian Pierce is currently projected to be like the running back 18. And based on that, I think he's like a, a, a undervalued Alexander Madison play. The volume's there. You already had over two and. 40 carries last year, I think. There's Devin Singletary is going to take up some of the work, but in the same way that James Cook um, does not much in the way of a regular split, because all backfields are basically splits now anyway, but a regular split where he's um, he's presumed to get the lion's share of it. If the team can have any level of better success than they had last year, then there'll be more touchdown opportunities, and he could easily break out into the top 12 in the least impressive manner than you've seen in a while. But you're getting him well-adjusted for that price. I've ended up with him a lot in a few redraft places that I'm in, like in the Scott Fishbowl. And again, I, I think, I don't mean to be sound negative about a player, but I wasn't overly enamored with his rookie profile. I don't think he's phenomenal. He's not the next Barkley, but he can definitely, he's definitely usable. He's definitely a capable player who earned the job last year with almost no draft capital and did okay with it. And we should probably respect that a little bit. And the running backs tend to break out pretty early. So he probably should have been a top 12 last year, but the team was bad last year. So, and running backs can be highly affected by the team. So yeah. Yeah. So it's sorry, true, there's Dick. a lag on my end. Cause I live in a place where the internet is run by a small hamster and he gets tired. So every time <laughs> I finish talking, there's a big, there's a little silence and me being a, a very insecure human being. Every time there's silence, I try and fill it. And that means I never stop talking. So I'm, I'm trying to be better. 
<laughs> no, I think that's fine. And I share this, Peter. Every silence is an uncomfortable silence. Yeah, I'm like, I'm oh, I gotta fill this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> fill this. Jen, uh, if you have any thoughts about Damien Pierce, I'd love to hear them. Otherwise, let's move on to your uh your number two breakout. Uh yeah, I don't my thoughts are probably opposite of, of Peter's, so I don't wanna do this all night with him. So I have nothing to say about <laughs> Damien Pierce. I was always no, told he... if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. He's not on my list, but (laughs) speaking of uh, teams that were really bad last year, I will get into my breakout, and that is Jerry Judy. Uh, Last year, we thought was going to be the big breakout year for Jerry Judy. As we all know, the Broncos were horrible, Um, horrible, right, offensively, horrible in every way. Uh, And Judy was still wide receiver 21 overall on a per-game basis, which I thought was pretty – Pretty surprising. Uh, so, you know, this year you've got Sean Payton in town and you got Russell Wilson. You know, Jerry Judy is probably the best route runner that either of those two guys have had, right? Between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. So I feel like he's in a good spot. You know, right now he's, I think his ADP is wide receiver 21, which is actually where he finished last year. But yeah, I think he's got top 15 potential. I don't know if that's necessarily a breakout per se, but. Breakoutly enough that I feel like we can hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he makes it happen because he's super talented and last year was just a disaster. Somebody I loved coming out of the draft that just uh, yeah. hasn't quite hit yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we see more of that Denver offense and we get some fantasy weapons out of there. Uh, Mr. Trey Cerocinco, thank you very much. Uh, wants to know who they should take with the fourth pick in their draft. Uh, Justin Jefferson, CMC, and Jamar Chase off the board uh, is evaluating Tyreek Hill or a Cooper Cup. For me, it's Tyreek Hill because uh, just solely because Cooper Cup is hurt. <laughs> so, uh, but how about you, Jen? I think you can't go wrong with either one. To be honest, I I would pick either one. I kind of rotate. Um, I don't know if you're PPR or not. I don't know if it really matters. I, like I said, I think you can't go wrong with either one. I'm in a vacuum cup, but like you said, he is he is a little bit uh, injured, so maybe go Hill. But I still have uh, I still have plenty of cup, and I still will draft him. So yeah, I'm happy with that as well. Okay, uh, let's see. I'm gonna go Khalil Herbert with my next one. I know it's kind of counter because nobody likes Khalil Herbert. Everybody likes Rashawn Johnson and Deontay Foreman's there, and nobody knows. Uh, nobody wants to like the Chicago offense, but. You know, I liked him coming out of the draft. He had that middling career at Kansas, and then he just crushed it at Virginia Tech. And you watch him, and he just looks like a talented runner. Uh, He's only 25. He doesn't have a lot of miles. He's looked very solid in the preseason and the limited action that he's played. One thing that I really like is he's getting all the snaps with Justin Fields. So when Justin Fields is is on the field, most of the time Khalil Herbert is there too. That's really good to see. Uh, the rumor is pass blocking will keep him off the field, and that's very possible. It can be a mitigating factor, but the guy's got so much talent, you know, five yards per attempt. He's got 232 attempts, 28 targets in 30 games. Uh, he can catch the ball. I think Roshan Johnson's a mid-round rookie. Foreman's a two-down plugger. I mean, those guys, they'll have a role, but I think Herbert is going to be an RB2. I, he's been a fringe RB1 when he starts in, in David Montgomery's stead. I know he can do it. And so the fact that he's being drafted so far down the board makes him an obvious grab for me. I, I just I think he's gonna get at least half work. And if he does that, he'll be worth his but he'll be worth it. 
I love that you're like the only person I know that is, that is, but I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I can't wait for him to be an RB2 for you because you are the only analyst I know that is, has been touting him all summer. And I think it's fantastic. Everybody loves Roshan and, you know, but what do you think, Peter? No, I was just going to say, I ended up picking up Cleo Herbert for the exact same reason. Like we all run for Roshan and then you're like, oh, like there's a guy who's doing what we think he can do last year. He was doing it already. Like, why not? So you, I ended up. I mean, he's running back two, and a lot of uh, a lot of dynasty teams are drafted this offseason. Because, I mean, if if what we want to happen doesn't happen, it's going to be a Cleo Herbert, and he was pretty impressive last year. Yeah, I really liked him. Tyler says that uh, they've been seeing the opposite I guess, in the chat. Yeah, I don't uh, know. So I need to hang out with Tyler's people. Yeah, apparently. yeah. That's you just I, go for whichever one's cheaper. You know? Uh, oh, you like Roshan Johnson, Cleo Herbert? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, I, I want to ask you, uh, Ryan C. has a question about Tyler Lockett and uh, and JSN. If if Lockett was not there in Seattle, where would Jackson Smith and Jigbo rank in your rankings? Um, you know, for redraft, obviously, he'd go a lot higher. Um, but in Dynasty, does that impact your Dynasty impact? I'm, I'm abnormally high on Lockett and, and JSN, so I'm not sure I'm the right guy to especially if we're talking about a Dynasty ranking. I wouldn't have to move JSN I wouldn't have to move JSN up at all because I already have him as if he's going to be the wide receiver one on that team sooner rather than later. I think that's why you should be in Dynasty because there are these small windows where everyone's like, well, he's not going to do it very soon. But if you ask them, like, oh, that he will. So, like, in two months, you'll give me more for him just if I roster him. Okay, well, then I'll <laughs> roster him, and then in two months, you can give me more for him. Is that okay? Like, I'll, I'll spend the time. Um, and if he's who we think he is, and obviously I think that, he will be impressive. It doesn't matter that there's a ro- there's a roster question and we don't know how it works out. Good players earn targets. It's that simple. Um, if he doesn't, I'm not going to justify it by, well, he had DK Metcalf unlock it because that's how you end up rostering Corey Davis for four years, telling everyone <laughs> it's going to be this year, guys. Don't worry. As if anyone <laughs> would do that. Um, and it's a hard lesson, <laughs> but it's one that's worth learning. I'm actually more concerned with um, DK Metcalf than I am Tyler Lockett because Tyler Lockett is so far adjusted because he's hit the dreaded 30. But he's outproduced DK Metcalf in three of the last four years. I mean, what are we doing here? At what point are you going to admit? Because I had to convince everyone in his rookie year that Tyler Lockett was good. And then he's consistently outperformed everyone else that's been on the depth chart. And everyone's like, well, well now he's going to kill JSN. It's like, you never liked Tyler Lockett until you needed a reason not to like JSN. So, <laughs> I've gone on too far here. If you check out my ranks, I'd probably rank in about the same place, because I'm ranking them as I think um, they should be, and I can't remember exactly where that was, but JSN's pretty close to a top 15 wide receiver in Dynasty right now, and I put them wherever I can to be a- ahead of everyone. Um, and Lockett, I have normally high just because all the 30 are, I mean, Michael Thomas is high in my ranks. So I have him pretty close to a top 24 wide receiver in Dynasty. So Excellent. I don't uh, know how is... it's going to work out, but it's nice to roster good players and just find out, I guess. I like it. I like. Well, this is definitely a Tyler Lockett-friendly podcast. We, Jen and I have thought about changing the name to this, yeah. um, the most accurate podcast that loves Tyler Lockett. I'm actually kind of bummed. I've had Tyler Lockett on my team every Scott Fishbowl since I started, like eight years ago, and I did. this is the first year I don't have him. Oh, I'm super. Someone took him before me. I was like, this is not a thing. You can't have Tyler Lockett in this league. I've had him every year. This is not I allowed. get him. <laughs> he's mine. This is against the law. But he's Lord. not. So may- maybe someone will drop him. I doubt that will happen. Uh, love- okay, quick 
quick, very quick trade question here from the chat room, and then we'll go, get on to Peter's third breakout because uh, because uh, we need to get I moving. But this know. has been yeah. fun. So no, so uh, would you trade Aaron Jones for Calvin Ridley and Deuce Vaughn when they have James Conner, Antonio Gibson, and Jameer Gibbs? Well, um, does anyone want to go first since I take too long, or is it? Go just... ahead, Peter. I've been trading for Aaron Jones this offseason. Like, he's one of the veterans I like because he's been devalued, uh, again, perennially, but especially this offseason. Um, he's the second round pick I'll spend because I think he's the best thing they have in terms of a weapon um, and consistently has done that. Um, so that trade's awkward for me because I think that's fair. I, I think if you're going to trade away Aaron Jones, getting Deuce Fawn, who we have some hope for as young in his career, and Calvin Ridley, who's starting to rise up the redraft expectations as we expected, could easily return back to being a top 24 wide receiver. It might be situation dependent. If you need a running back, which is normally the situation I'm in, which is why I'm going for Aaron Jones, then I think that's very fair to go get Aaron Jones. But if you have can afford um, that potential top 12 running back, um, probably top 15, uh, then Kevin Ridley can definitely help out your wide receiver depth there. So I, I think it's fairly well balanced. Excellent. Makes sense to me. Uh, talking dynasty here. Uh, Jen, I know you're not a dynasty player. Do you want to weigh in at all? Or do we want to move on to Peter's number three? Uh, we can weigh in. I mean, I, you know, I like How Aaron we... Jones and like Howard said, I, I or Peter, um, I, I believe that, uh, Howard. I'm going yeah, with it from now he's on. very, uh, Aaron Jones is undervalued this year. Like people just keep, you know, I just keep grabbing him and especially I just keep grabbing him on underdog cause he keeps falling, uh, to me, but I mean, I understand that trade. I understand, uh, why you would do it. I mean, you have, you already have, you know, you have Connor Gibson and, and uh, yeah, there's no reason for me to keep talking. Good. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we'd only in the Aaron Jones side, but we wouldn't yeah. be mad at someone for doing the other thing. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. All right, Peter, who's number three on your list? Oh, uh, I wrote it down. Uh, Rashad White. Again, this is another Damian Pierce thing. I'm looking for running back breakouts. And a lot of them outside of Bajon Robinson and Gibbs just do not excite you. But Running backs usually break out year one if they're going to break out, unless they were held behind a veteran very clearly not getting the work because Leonard Fournette was the guy, and coaches can really make that decision when it comes to running back opportunity. Fairly decent college producer with an interesting rookie profile. Based on tape grinders that I listen to, I'm not one of them. They're like, uh, he's, he's, he's fine, which is a Damian Pierce take, but he should, like again, be in line for that volume. That offense is not going to be as good, but we forget the offense wasn't great last year either. And we still got a lot of running back production out of it as well. So I think Rashad White's in line for the volume and he's outside of that hype bubble of, you know, um, who is it this year? Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison that we figured out early. But I mean, he's also in line for the volume. He's got an interesting receiving profile. So you have a little bit more upside in that, even than um like Damian Pierce only had like 40 targets last year. He should be in there around there between 40 and 50 targets. Rashad White might do slightly better in the Tampa Bay offense in whatever form it takes this year. And they have even a, a little bit of better upside. He's running back 20 in projections right now. Feels pessimistic. I like it. You know, fine. I'm going to be I honest. Pessimism. I'm not complaining. <laughs> Let's go. Pessimism. I'm going to be honest with you, Peter. I've heard you um, or or read, read you, seen you talk about Rashad White somewhere. I can't remember where now. I, I would have picked White, but I kind of predicted you might pick White, so I left him oh, off sorry. my list. I really like him, so I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Jen, who's number three on your list? Oh, you don't want my White opinion? I'm just kidding. You know I like him too, so we're good. Um, my Third on my list is someone that, if you listen to this podcast, I think I talk about every single week on here. 
Romeo Dobbs. I mean, I've been talking about him ad, ad nauseum, writing and talking about him all summer. I mean, wide receiver 60, like that offense, we, I mean, first of all, we know right now from the preseason, they're looking good, right? Christian Watson is going like, I don't know, nine, 10 rounds before this guy. And who's to say that, I mean, there it's, it's kind of a crapshoot, right? In that offense. I don't think that Christian Watson is that much more of, of a breakout star above Romeo Dobbs. They're both there. They both can possibly see, there's a lot of target up for grabs. I know Peter, you are anti-vacated targets. I am not going to use that term, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, even Sammy Watkins, they're all gone. It's really going to be those two guys. I feel like, you know, people are just kind of forgetting about Romeo Dobbs because he was up and down last year, but he had, you know, and Christian Watson seemed to be the big bright star, but at the same time, who's to say Romeo Dobbs isn't going to be just as good. So I feel like, you know, you're getting Christian Watson in the fourth round. Why not wait, take Romeo Dobbs in the 13th. So I'm all about it. I think, I think he has the potential to, to finish way above wide receiver 60. I actually love that one, by the way, just to, you know, oh, show that I can like something. Like, you know? And <laughs> I don't think he was even streaky. Romeo Dubs was doing it and then got injured. And then Christian Watson did a high touchdown rate for the end. Like, that's the way it, like, if you go look at the splits, Romeo Dubs left, Christian Watson scores immense numbers of touchdowns. And it wasn't like they weren't both on the field before that. So I think Romeo Dubs is definitely a little underrated right there. Uh, yeah, the fact that he doesn't cost anything and he's part of this offense with like an, a, a pass happy head coach makes me excited. So I'm I'm with you. I think it's great. I've been listening to you. Uh, I'm and, gonna... and I was just going to say that's not a vacated target. He earned targets. It's not like where the targets <laughs> yeah. he got his targets. <laughs> Maybe his targets from last year. Like True. that's not. They're they're not vacation. There's no Hawaiian shirt in sight. There's right. a hard working blue collar targets right there. Those are lunch pail targets. <laughs> lunch pail targets. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to stick with my theme of running backs that nobody likes. Um, And I'm going to say Cam Akers, all right? So I I know you don't like him, Jen, but look, in in 2020, he was the rookie, right? And it took him a while to get going. In 2021, was lost due to an injury. 2022, coming off that injury, took him a while to get going. But in 2020 and 2022, he finished the season real strong. He seems to be the guy there. From week 10 on last year, Akers was the RB10 in half PPR leagues, um, finished the season on a tear, averaged two catches per game over his last five. He's still only 24 years old. He's he's younger than Khalil Herbert is. Uh, goes into the season, he's healthy, he's the starter. Maybe Matt Stafford's Matt Staffording again. Maybe Cooper Cup is Cooper Cupping again. I, I just think this guy, more. he's two years removed from a torn Achilles. I think that he's going to get as close to workhorse back work as we see in this league right now. So I, I think he's going to be a fringe RB one more often than not, as long as he stays healthy. And I, I, I like him. So I'm drafting him at cost. He's right at the tail end of that running back dead zone. And it's, I, I have no problem going into the season with his, with him as my RB two, and then grab Khalil Herbert later as my RB three. I, I love these deep running backs this year. So uh, Jen, you can tell me all the reasons I'm wrong. It's not that you're wrong because look, none of us are right or wrong right now. Let's be real. But I just feel like the Rams just, don't, I don't know that running back spot is just not something that's going to be productive. Like we haven't seen 
a Ram running back since like Marshall Falk, right? I mean, let's be real. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm completely kidding. You're forgetting Todd Gurley. I know. I'm listen. I don't Wouldn't forget. Wouldn't we Todd all Gurley. rather? This, I mean, you see this hat on my head. I would never forget Todd Gurley. That's right. That's um, right. And yeah. and and you know, I will say the Rams. Sony Michelle, is that where you were going to go? Yeah, we've got Sony Michelle's good and Georgia, and then you're also forgetting an Oregon State guy. The Rams are our team for running backs, my friend. It's it's Stephen Jackson. And and then uh, Todd Gurley, right? We have two phenomenal running backs from Oregon State University and Georgia. This is our team, Jen. This is our team. But Cam Akers <laughs> is not our team, Brandon. He's not. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be fine as a possible RB2, fringe RB3, whatever. I just, I don't know. He just doesn't excite me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, you know, the analytics and all of that are great with him, but there's just something about it. I just can't, I can't invest in my heart in Cam Akers. I just can't do it. We'll have to make a friendly Cam Akers bet, like a okay. Twitter avatar or something bet I'm or in. something like that. We'll come up with that. We'll come up with the stakes or something like that. So we'll do a friendly Akers bet. Uh, Peter, who's number four? And if you have Cam Akers notes, I'm always happy to hear that. Um, no, I don't have a lot of running back notes. <laughs> I think it's interesting you suffer a similar like a post-hype sleeper hangover with uh, Cam Akers as I have with Judy. Like, I get it. Really good on a per-game basis, on a per-touch, seems to be phenomenally talented, but I'm tired of being the Lucy with a football moment. He's going to do it, do it, do it. No! And uh, Cam Akers and Judy both fall into that camp for me. Like, uh, I, can't keep, I can't keep hoping. It hurts too much. Speaking <laughs> of hoping for way too long, uh, Rashad Bateman. Uh, look, it's not a great breakout year. Outside of Garrett Wilson, who's got a situation change, which improves his situation better than Chris Olave. Like, I'm not looking for a lot of young wide receivers to finish inside the top 12 for the first time. Um, as in an average year, we usually get two or three. The majority are 27 years or older anyway on, in a typical year. So I'm more interested in the Michael Thomas resurgence or any of the guys you've mentioned so far as well. But if I have to pick a breakout wide receiver that's not Rondell Moore, it's Rashad Bateman because it's not a sophomore player, but it's the other type of player that's done well on a per-game basis but has suffered missed time, so he's constantly missing some of the cutoffs that we like to see. He was running way too efficiently to the start of last, uh, the start of the offseason, the start of 2022 season, sorry, and he was doing a little bit of regression, but he got hurt before that ever happened. I think people's expectation for Bateman has always been a little bit too high to the point that I was pushed out of him in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. I know this isn't a Dynasty podcast, but it was a bit of point for me. I wanted Rashad Bateman a lot. I saw a lot of talent on his profile. He was very productive in a very certain role in college. And Tyler Johnson also, but don't get me started. Um, but then we had so much hope for him that we overdrafted him in Rookie Drafts. He, didn't, he did okay in his rookie year. And then people overhyped last year's campaign. And then after the injury, we all fell away being disappointed. But the point is, in college and in the NFL, one on the field, he's accrued targets. He's performed fairly well. And Lamar Jackson can pass. I think we forget that. The team is due to pass more. This isn't a Justin Fields, he can run, can he pass? Lamar Jackson can do both. And we've seen what happens when he does both. When Marcus Brown broke out a couple of years ago, fulfilling a, a few other uh, nice, nice rookie prophecies because of that anti-BMI take. I realize everything I have to say requires like an essay behind it. Anyway, Bateman, <laughs> if he's healthy, gets the volume and does very well with it. This year, the team is going to pass more than it has 
two out of the last three years. And the last time that happened, the Baltimore offense was the place to be fantasy football. So I want some of that. And if it's not Isaiah Likely, I guess, um, then give me Rashad Bateman because people have been continuously disappointed by their own too high expectations. That's a TLDR, as it were. Yeah, I, I loved Bateman coming out of college. I, I hope the guy can stay on the field. I just absolutely hope he can. Uh, is, Jen, if you yeah. have, if you, as always, know. if you have Bateman thoughts, but otherwise, who's your number four? Um, no thoughts. I mean, I'm, I think that, you know, what Peter said, I think the Baltimore offense is, is going to be good. I think it's going to take a step forward. If he's healthy, I, I'm all about it. Uh, also, Zay Flowers, of course, but I think we're getting into him later. Um, so my guy that I'm going to talk about, which I know people were calling for in the chat earlier, Sam Laporta. Right now he is ADP tight end 19. We know historically rookie tight ends don't produce, but you know what? Tight ends are crapshoot anyway, so why not draft a guy that's going to get a ton of targets? Uh, he's you know he's set up for success from day one, right? He's been playing with the first team offense this entire time. After Amon Ross St. Brown, there's nobody there. So Sam Laporta, uh, yeah, ton of targets. I mean, he's not going to be a tight end one. I mean, he may be, but I'm not calling for that, right? I'm not. I'm not. I'm aware, right, of how things work. So I feel like leaving rookie he's a good wide type. receivers, we don't expect the whole season. It's just when it matters most at the second half of the season. Yes, they are. So I really yes. like that. Hey, Porter's yeah, looks I feel great. like. Yeah, I feel like he's you know he has tight end two potential this season. Uh, if he, you know, if he can get up to speed in the NFL, the playbook, all those things that rookie tight ends need to do to get there. If he can block to where he gets on the field, all of that stuff. But I do feel like. The room is there, right? With Jamison Williams, he is suspended, and now he has a hamstring issue. So, I mean, we're looking at Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond. Like, I feel like Sam Laporta is going to get a ton of balls. Yeah, he could easily be, you know, third on the team in targets probably. Yeah. I'm presuming behind Amon Ra and Jameer Gibbs. Like, he can easily do that. I yeah. I love the Laporta take. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to go with – so the rest get help like more good players will be good because you know eventually you get burnt out Amamra being the entire thing is going to get yeah. old pretty quick so yeah. yeah i would hope so for everyone else's sake that he yeah. can do something excellent uh i'm gonna go i'm actually gonna uh, flip the order since we just talked baltimore i'm just gonna piggyback on that i'm gonna say zay flowers i want to say peter I'm rooting for this to be Rashad Bateman i want it to be Rashad Bateman i'm saying i'm saying zay flowers because Odell Beckham and, and Rashad Bateman, not exactly bastions of, of health the last couple of years. Uh, somebody's got to be the guy. We like Todd Monken. Uh, we think he has an aggressive offensive philosophy. Uh, we're seeing one back, three and four wide receiver sets in practice right now. So I like Zay Flowers. Um, I fall for a rookie receiver every year. Usually doesn't really end well, so take that <laughs> take that uh for what it's worth but reception perception really likes him I, I grabbed a quote from matt Harmon, who i really like from reception perception he said zay flowers should be an excellent number two receiver right away if he continues to hone his craft as a route runner he's the lone prospect aside from jackson smith and jigba that i could see becoming a true number one wide out which is pretty high praise from from matt Harmon. so uh i i always kind of listen when matt Harmon likes a receiver so Lots of buzz. Can Can't catch these hands and meet me in the DMs about that Jordan Addison take. We're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have words about that one. But um, yeah, all right. So uh, so yeah, I like Zay Flowers for that reason. I think somebody in that offense outside of Mark Andrews is gonna be good. They're all pretty cheap. So uh, in best ball, in, in lots of drafts, I'm probably drafting all those guys. That's not true. I'm not drafting OBJ, but I'm drafting <laughs> Bateman and Zay Flowers, right? Uh, but. 
You know? People are drafting Odell Beckham because his ADP is, and I always wonder, I don't know who these people are, but it's not me. Yeah. We should do a better in best ball segment. That's just the Ravens. <laughs> I know. I mean, that one game that Antonio Brown played in that year, he came back. He was a top 12 <laughs> wide receiver. I do think True. talent ages better than we think it does. And despite the up and downs of Odell Beckham, I kind of get it. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interject. You didn't even ask, but yeah, like I kind of get it. Like of, this is going to be one of those know. years. <laughs> um, yeah, I hated. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't very strong on Zay Flowers' rookie profile. Um, I thought it was fine. Thought it was decent. But the quote that was sticking in my head, um, that and it's, I do listen to other people. It surprises. But Travis May is a phenomenal evaluator, and he pays a lot of attention to rookie prospects. He plays a lot of Devi, um. He does the entire formula for the stock exchange, the Mojo people now. He like he's ahead uh, of that behind the scenes, uh, and he said not that he is Antonio Brown, but he is the closest statistical profile to Antonio Brown since Antonio Brown. That was his take on Zay Flowers, and I was like, that's scary because I said I didn't like it, and Travis is very good at this, so that worries me. And I'm 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 very open to him being good, but. His profile, the thing about Antonio Brown, who was a later round pick, whose production wasn't phenomenal <laughs> compared to most players who go on to do sure. well. He, was he a had very good return stats, came from a lower conference. Like being compared to him isn't great from a player coming from a high conference with a lot of draft capital. Like you're meant to look more like one of those guys, right? But very versatile player, very successful in a very particular role at a high conference. So I could definitely see it working out. But yeah, I got, I got, I, I didn't like the profile comparing him to players with that draft capital from that conference playing that role. I was like, there should be more here. But he also runs a little bit, and the NFL is getting increasingly creative in that way. So it's true. So who's your number five? We've got uh, seven minutes remaining, Peter. Let's, uh, yeah. we can, we can do this. Oh, yeah. Let's rock oh, yeah. it. No, this one's real quick. Sophomores and players have missed time not entering their second season. Sophomores did well in the rookie season. Those are the most common breakouts at every position, and there's only one at the tight end position that fits that description, unfortunately, because Trey McBride couldn't get on the field for, for, for Zach Ertz reasons. And that's Greg Dolchich, and I think I'm saying that name wrong. But he had a really good rookie season, as measured by rookie tight end seasons, as Jim was mentioning earlier, entering his second season in a team that we expect, even if Russell... Someone just keep Russell Wilson away from like the public or Twitter or whatever it is that sets him off on that meme machine and um, type meme making type uh, attitude of his. Because if we can get him anywhere close to back what he was before he went to the Broncos, that team should bounce back. And Greg Dolchitz is kind of just poised and um, to be one of those new upcoming tight ends. And the tight end position, like running back, is kind of due some of that. We, we're expecting to see some more good young. Players turn up, and Greg Dolchitz fits that definition pretty easily. He's tight end 25 in uh, projections right now. So, hey, thanks, Mr. Scampers. I see you. It's a it's a time. great value. Yeah, Mr. Scampers always joins. I appreciate everybody in the chat. Jay Lizard coming back. I appreciate you showing up every week. It's nice to see you in the chat there. Uh, Peter, I wrote an article all about Greg Dolchitz earlier this offseason. I love him. I think he's great. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, also, amazing hair, which you, you can never underestimate the value of amazing hair as a fantasy football prospect, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> and just to get ahead of it, Jen, your last guy, I only found out about him because of ranks and ADP. People were ranking him and I had no idea what it was. I was when just I about it out, to I was say... like, oh, all the smart people know about this one. 
Okay, well, I didn't know. I didn't even notice. And no, that was. Yeah, I was just game. about to go into him, and and you're talking about sophomore tight ends, and here's mine, and that's Jake Ferguson, uh, who is a sophomore tight end for the Cowboys. Listen, Mike McCarthy loves a tight end, right? He's got that history all the way back to Green Bay. Loves, <laughs> hey. And I love a double entendre. Let's go. I know, and I didn't, I didn't even mean to go there, but uh, I guess I did. So Mike hey, McCarthy uh, no, he utilizes that. That his, his tight ends uh, a lot, and Jake Ferguson is going to uh, should have a lot of targets. Nobody's drafting him. You know, he's well, he's tight end twenty three right now. He's a sixteenth rounder. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like him as, as a breakout. I mean, he he did all right last year behind Dalton Schultz, but I mean, he you know, like you said. He's a sophomore, but he didn't have a great rookie year, but he wasn't really given the opportunity. And now he's he the guy. Okay. So. And then he did okay enough. The team felt good shipping off Schultz, who's right. been pretty solid. I mean, that's if you're gonna spin a narrative, it seems positive. No, sorry. Right. And I, they did they did again. Draft I had no idea. If it wasn't for you and others ranking him, I'd be like, Who's Jake Ferguson? So no, <laughs> thank you very much. Well, they did draft a rookie who's been kind of hurt as well. So I feel like Jake Ferguson is going to end up being the guy. And I, you know, like, like I said earlier with Sam Laporta, like I wouldn't draft him as your only tight end in a redraft. I mean, but he's a guy to stash on your bench that might show up later on in the season. Tight end two numbers. I love it. I, I've got a lot of Jake Ferguson in dynasty formats and I, I'm very excited. He's just kind of chilling on my taxi squad in a lot of situations. So I'm, I'm licking my chops, hoping that you're right, Jim, but you're right. The opportunity is there. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go with uh, my last and, and certainly not least player is uh, someone I know Jen loves as well. This is a player I'm so high on that. I think he's going to be like a second round pick next year in redraft leagues. I think that people are going to love him. I think George Pickens is just going to blow up. He's 6'3". He can run. He ran a 4.47 at the Combine coming off a torn ACL a year ago. Like Now he's healthy. He's uh, a long ways away from that injury. He's got a nice connection with Kenny Pickett. I mean, forget the preseason game, which was also awesome in week one where he, he snatched that ball across the middle and broke a tackle and just ran right into the end zone. Uh, I already think that Pickett's going to be better. I think Pickett's is going to be his guy, right? Four of Pickett's seven touchdown passes last year went to George Pickens. Um, like I said, he's 6'3", he's 200, he's good after the catch, he can leap, he does contested catch as well. I, I think if he hadn't torn that ACL, he would have been a first-round pick in the draft with good quality Well, there was also off-field. There was like That's this right. stupid off-field concerns, which is yep. ridiculous because it yep. was nothing. Jen told us. Jen told us a year and a half ago. She said George Pickens is amazing, Listen, and I, 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 I agree. He's phenomenal. I, yeah, I'm drafting no. him in every league, literally every single league that I have. <laughs> he's very uh, divisive, though, for some reason. A lot of people don't like him. They think he's just like a flashy. But And I get it. Like, if it's a, if you're a full PPR, you might want to go Deontay Johnson, fine. But Pickens, I mean, he's going to have huge plays. And I've been watching him, you know, since college, obviously, as a Georgia homer. I've been watching him the whole time. And, yeah. And I, I do worry about the off-field concerns because I never know what that means. So I would say I don't know. Similar, oh, there was a similar Odell Beckham vibe in that people think a player can only be good in highlights and so everyone likes him because of the one-hand catch. I'm like, yeah, but the coaches see that too and it's actually pretty difficult to do and that uh, means more volume. And Yeah. The, yeah. Um, yeah, again, if the offseason concerned or if he needs to keep his nose Well, that was just coming out into while. the draft is what I mean. Like he was, they were off-season. Yes, 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 yeah. Now so I think not, was... I've heard similar things this offseason. Like, you will oh. look at him be mean to another player after he catches. I mean, they're, yeah, they're very competitive people. That's probably all that is. 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies, I do the Dynasty Grind with, he described him, he wasn't our favorite rookie prospect last year, but we thought he had the, the, he had the consensus most upside. Like if this guy gets volume and does what he can do consistently, like that's, that's the upside from that class. Um, but then Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave impressed everyone with what they could do last year. But yeah, yeah, he's a very interesting prospect. Absolutely. Uh, Jay Lizard has one question, and then we'll get going. Uh, with Pickens and Deontay Johnson, how much will be left for Pat Fryermuth to have a sophomore breakout? Uh, Fryermuth, uh, two really good seasons to start his career. I think that he's going to be really solid. The only concern is he really didn't have a lot of touchdowns with Kenny Pickett. So if he doesn't get the touchdowns, that's always the concern. But he gets enough volume. I think he's going to be like a minimal fringe tight end one, which would be about where he landed last year without the touchdown. So if he gets any kind of touchdown regression, it puts him right up in that like tight end six territory. So I, I think it's going to be solid. Um, I think there's going to be enough room there. I, it might be overly bullish on the Pittsburgh offense, but I'm pretty high on that. Uh, Peter, are you concerned with Firemuth with the other targets there? No, I feel like that's pointed and at me. I'm like in love with Pat Frymuth and Dynasty. <laughs> he's the only he's the only tight end entering this career year that hasn't disappointed you since his rookie season. And yes, that's True. a Kyle Pitts take right there. First year he had all the targets and no touchdowns. Second, no, all the touchdowns, no targets. Last year, second year, he had all the targets and no touchdowns. He just needs to put them together and we'll be all right. And again, Pickett is due touchdown regression and a points per game increase. Tight ends don't increase in points per game, even though they do regress in touchdowns as successfully as the other positions. That's one of the things I found, which is concerning, but I, he just needs to put the two together. Like he's going to get the volume. He's been solid. I don't think he's Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's going to um, Rob Gronkowski his way to the hall of fame, but he's a really good player and an offense that's already utilizing him. Um, and again, he hasn't disappointed you yet. And he's consistently just under that middle class of tight ends. And it's like, that's a, that's a third year tight end you want. Come on, go get it. I love Pat Frymuth. Mainly because he's consistently done that. And he broke into the top 12 last year, which means nothing for tight end, but technically it's a thing. And, and he's always undervalued, even though he's the young player who's ascending. I mean, not that carpets has been bad. I actually think he's values reasonable for the first time. But I remember now, that you said you had seven minutes about 10 minutes ago. So I'm going to shut up. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are out of time. Uh, I do want to sit and talk for another hour. I wish I had the time to do that. Uh, I, apparently I'm just, I promised everyone I'm not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, despite the fact that I like picking yeah, right? <laughs> Harris and Friar and everybody this year. But uh, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us. Listeners, definitely go check out Peter on DLF. Watch his excellent YouTube content. Follow him on Twitter at PA Howdy. Peter, any final thoughts or plugs before we go? uh yeah uh no uh check out the youtube channel dynasty league for at pa howdy even if they kill twitter for us like that's going to be my at wherever we all congregate so like hit me up when we ever we figure out where that is i guess but um and thanks very much guys it's always great to uh, talk to you and um, jen you said this is the first time so it's it's now from now on gonna always be great to talk to you but it's great to talk to you today as well likewise jen any final thoughts before we go no i'm good uh yeah good it's been fun uh yeah see you next week same time that that whole attitude jen's got that encompasses 2023 we're all like yeah i guess we're gonna have a seat yeah <laughs> <guess we're> <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll have some football whatever no yep. I'm
<laughs> Jen, uh, I hope you get some man. cooler weather uh, on the horizon for you. Uh, listeners, uh, you know, thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot of fun interacting with you on Monday nights. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, thank you, Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Jenkins NFL at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks for checking us out and have a great day. <laughs>